Hey, it's Parker. So a little bit of housekeeping before we get into this episode. Basically, these episodes are from our Money Lap Lives. We did five of them in this offseason. They were absolutely awesome. Thank you to everyone that watched or even listened to those massively long episodes, three plus hours each. But if you didn't get to listen to them, we've basically pulled some of the most awesome interviews and guests that we had on those episodes. We had, I think, what is it, close to 20 guests or something? Maybe more. I didn't do the math before this. Help me out there. Uh, But some of them were just really compelling, had great stuff to say. So we basically pulled those out and made them into their own episodes, which you'll have here, whichever one you're listening to. Also, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube because we have tons of original content coming out on there. That's not just the podcast over these next couple weeks. Basically, it centers around the coolest stuff in motorsports. With that, I have a bit of news. Nobody has heard this. We've never put, we have not put this out publicly, but starting the second week of January, we are coming back. New episodes of the Money Lap podcast. Myself, Landon, the gang, talking the coolest stuff in motorsports. And with that, over 40,000 of you have listened to this podcast in 2023. We just started this back in May. And I know that's a lot because I'm pretty sure our moms could not press play that many times. So we very much appreciate it. Thank you all for supporting us in this journey. We are looking very much forward to 2024. We've got big plans. We're just getting started. Enjoy the episode. You know what? Well, without further ado, we've been talking about him. An IndyCar race winner, a star in the dancing world, a driver who has been impaled by his own race car only then to win the Indy 500 pole. I once watched NBC try and kill him for 16 hours straight on a broadcast at the Rolex 24, possibly the coldest Rolex 24 of all time. He's an F1 TV host. It's none other than James Hinchcliffe. On the Money Lap Live. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you and coming the on. Crowd goes wild. Ah, man, quite a quite an intro. Quite an intro. Thank you for appreciate that, it. Boys, nice to see yeah. you. Yeah, that was a good one. You're home. Are you home? Yeah, in a what? in a in a rare twist, I'm actually home for a few days, um, and that's only because you know I live in the states, and we are coming up obviously to Thanksgiving, and uh, the the world in this country shuts down over Thanksgiving. And so uh, there's nowhere for me to be. But on Sunday, I'm back on a plane and back to work. <laughs> that's that's perfect. We didn't want you to get comfortable at home. So no, of course not. Too much. Just getting back from your F1 hosting TV on F1 TV in Vegas this past weekend. That had to be a wild experience. Uh, just being a part of that event. And you've done how many of those? You do this year? Six of those hosts? They, yeah, F1 this TV was my events? sixth. Yeah. That's per- so what is your what's your experience been like? You and I have chatted about it, but putting it out there in terms of getting involved in F1 TV and just being a part of F1 over these this the course of this year. Yeah, it's been it's been fascinating. It's been a lot of fun, first and foremost. You know, it's uh it's it's very different. And it, it's funny, like th- there's the obvious differences between F1 and IndyCar, right? Let's put the kind of racing part aside. Just from the television side, it's very different when you are uh working on American network sports broadcasting, which I have learned is like kind of globally looked at as the pinnacle of television. Um, And then what is this? And it's essentially, yeah, I was, I kind of had the same reaction, but it's, (laughs) uh, you know, it's it's, F1 TV is, is essentially a streaming service, right? So it's, it's a lot, it has a, a much different flow. There are different kind of rules and guidelines and the way the whole thing's formatted is quite a bit different. 
uh, the amount of control you have over the actual broadcast once you kind of get going, you know, on the race from the commentary side, it's quite a bit different. But yeah, it's funny, man. Like you talk to people in this world that, uh, you know, are on the television side and they look at U.S. sports network television as like, that is the pinnacle of it all. I mean, think about it. It's been successful no for like 60 years. They've had this formula <laughs> that works and it's just like held to the super high regard. So I came in here like one and a half years into being like a network broadcaster in, in the States. Like, oh my God. So like, what, what do you think about this? And how are we doing this? And what do you think about how we do this? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You were giving me way too much credit here just because I sit next to Diff and T-Bell a couple of times. <laughs> uh, it's like so one we, of those things that makes you nervous when you realize that, uh, uh, wait, they think I'm the smartest guy here. Yeah, 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 100%. <laughs> it's like total imposter syndrome. Like I had imposter syndrome just because it's there Formula One and I've like never raced there, right? But then from the TV side, they're like giving me way too much credit. And I'm like, uh, say something smart, Hinch. Uh, what do we do here? <laughs> <laughs> guy, can you produce this show as well? You know, you know from your time on the on the network stuff. You've been on network. Right. Yeah. I didn't know we were... I didn't know we were the top. Wow, that's very that's very cool. I once, as I yeah. mentioned, I saw you try to uh, do 16 hours straight television, <laughs> which was one of the yeah. more impressive things the first time at the Rolex 24. I'm surprised yeah, you stuck with TV My first official gig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've been on the ground for these F1 races, and one of the things I think you could have a really unique view on that we haven't really had the chance to have this discussion, and Landon and I have talked sort of more at a high level about this, but I, you being a driver and understanding really the technical side of driving, what have you noticed about Max Verstappen in the last two years, being as close as you have to say, why is this guy dominating the F1 world right now? What, what you know, obviously put aside the car, but even to his teammates, we've seen him just decimate numerous teammates. What is it that you've noticed from your perspective, technically or mentally, whatever it is that you're like, this is the thing that stuck out to me in the last two years. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at Max's mental game, it's, it's outrageous. And that is not to put down any of the other drivers in that series. You know, when you got guys like Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton, you cannot fault them mentally either. Um, <laughs> But even when you have, you know, look, his car is very good. Of that, there is no doubt. But like you say, when you compare it to a teammate, that's kind of the ultimate. It's always been the ultimate yardstick in Formula One, right? And he is, I think, to work, to use your word, decimated everyone that has sat next to him in a Formula One car. And this year, you look at scenarios where he was throwing a couple curveballs. And, and it's happened. Like, look, we're 22 races into the season, right? You're not going to just have easy runs from pole to flag, you know, every time. Uh, he's had adverse conditions, he's had penalties, he's had, you know, whatever bad pit stop, whatever it is, it it never phases him. Even though he's got a car advantage, every time and it's and it's rare in 2023, but every time someone goes wheel to wheel with him, the ruthlessness in his racecraft has not waned from running around up front by himself for 96% of the season. Um his 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 approach is just it's, I mean, I hate to use the word flawless because human beings are human beings and there's always room for improvement, but there's just not a scenario where Max has been flapped. And even when he like, you know, he gets on the radio, sometimes he gets a bit animated, fine. <laughs> He's not like Oscar Piastri, who's been super impressive in that sense, especially as a rookie. Like even when things are going south on the radio, the guy just lives here. He's like, like Scott Dixon almost. 
and uh, and Max gets animated, but it just it doesn't slow him down. It doesn't bother him. He knows exactly what he has to do, and he just gets it done in a way that is like killer efficiency uh, behind the wheel of a race car. It's phenomenal to watch. Oh, Landon, I thought you had something you wanted to get to do. No, well, I, you know, is there, I kind of always, I'm, I'm always very interested in their driving styles and the technicals around it. And we, you know, we can see more data and information now than we've ever been able to see in all across all sports, you know. So um, after these F1 races, we've, you know, obviously there's plenty of online sources out there and content creators that are diving into the telemetry. I mean, is that stuff that you look at? Are you interested in that? Is there anything that stands out to you? That's just like, man, this is something in particular that Max is good at. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I, I'm, I'm a huge data guy. I, I, I'm a geek about that stuff. And I love that we're in a sport that has, you know, you have access to more data than any other sport really. And this is something I'm always like, I'm always pushing on the TV side, whether it's with NBC or with F1TV, it's like, we have all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Let's tell people. And they're like, not everybody's as big a nerd as you shut up. So I got to balance <laughs> it a little bit. Same thing. But, Don't worry yeah. on the money, lap, um, on money lap live. You're allowed to nerd out hundred percent. Perfect. We're all nerds yeah. here. So, uh, yeah. no, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's pretty well documented that Max really hates an understeering race car, right? And there's a few drivers that have that particular trait and they're more affected by it. Leclerc is another one. And I think they're, they're kind of, it's, it's a, it's a twofold effect. First off over a lap, right? The, these Pirelli tires are so, so sensitive. Um, they're so thermal sensitive. Their thermal degradation is, I mean, uh, for my, from where I sit, and if I were a driver, I would be super annoyed at how those tires operate. Like you slide them a little bit, one axle to the other, and you're waiting half a lap to a lap for that axle to come back, if it even comes back at all. That to me is like not what racing's about, right? And that's kind of why Vegas was such a good race is the temperatures were so cool that the thermal degradation wasn't as big of an issue. So drivers could push, right? They were actually pushing the whole race. Um, Qatar, when they had the, the limits of laps, that's the stint limits, uh, you know, you didn't have to make your tires last an insane amount of time. You could push the whole time. That race was awesome. So Max's style of not wanting any understeer in the car, it helps with the thermal deg. Um, just because first of all, it helps with thermal deg, especially in traffic, right? He's, he's naturally a little bit more on the front end. And so when you get behind a car, he's not as affected, which is why he's so efficient getting through cars. Uh, and then even just over a lap, just on pure pace, you know, he's um, he's not as prone to having the front start to go away by the end of a lap because he's relying on a super secure rear and having to add a little bit more input to the wheel uh, when you get to high dig places like, you know, Austin or like Brazil. Uh, he's just able to kind of hang on to it a little bit more. But again, that car's not been the fastest over a lap at a lot of tracks. You know, he's he's been right. out qualified quite a few times. Uh, but it's just when he gets into a race pace, the way he can manage tires, his mental capacity while still like performing at the limit is unrivaled. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it was Spain this year. He was driving around in the lead, you know, 15 seconds in the lead. And they uh, he comes on the radio and says, hey, what's fastest lap? And they're like, doesn't matter what fastest lap is. <laughs> Checo came in for new softs like 10, like four laps ago. So like, don't even worry about that. He said, what is fastest lap? <laughs> so they told him and he goes, okay, what's my fastest lap? And it was like four tenths slower, I think, than what Checo had done. He then proceeds to do a lap that's 1.3 seconds faster than anything he's done all day. 
and you know half a second faster than or sorry it's like a second faster almost than what Checo just did on new softs like he has so much in reserve when he's driving around to take care of the tires and he can just like switch it on and get it done like it's it's shocking <laughs> and, you- and it's funny because nowadays it's hard to take care of tires like in nascar you know taking care of tires it isn't always what you think it is it especially uh uh you have to give up speed in the right places, right? And you can give up speed in the wrong places and rush the center or whatever. And you end up just, you know, the, the tire wear is the tire wear. And actually for me too, especially when it's, you know, thermal related, like you said, with those tires, I feel like our Goodyear tires in NASCAR are very temperature sensitive. It's not necessarily wear um, as much as it is just not creating a hot spot, Right. And it seems like that's one thing that Max is really good at is, um, and I speak to this just, really to any of the best road racing drivers that I've worked with, Max is really good at just that min speed accuracy, right? He doesn't rush. He He's not trying to rush that min speed. Whereas a driver, a lot of times naturally we're trying to carry speed through the middle of the corner. We think that that's the fastest way um, through a corner. He, he doesn't, he doesn't rush that. No, for sure. And because he's got, kind of more of a neutral balance in the car for the same minimum speed. He can have the, the like, if you want to call it the, the amount of sliding on each axle, a little more even. So he doesn't wear one end of the car out as fast as someone that maybe relies on the front a little bit more. But like, it's, it's, it's funny when you watch his onboards and it's, and this is not just him. This is kind of something you see in F1 because of the way the tires are. But if a guy overshoots an apex a little bit, right? If he carries a little bit too much speed in, breaks a little bit too late, Normal reaction for a driver is, okay, well, I got to add a bit more lock. You'll notice they'll never do that. They will just let the car go all the way out to the white line without adding any. They hold their hands. They're like, okay, well, there goes the apex. But if I turn the wheel more, that's going to hurt me for the next three quarters of a lap. If I just ride this out, it's going to hurt me for this corner. And then I can kind of carry on. They're all having, Mm -hmm. they're having to be so conscious about any amount of slip any amount of wheel spin because the thermal the thermal deg just takes over and it's and it's like catastrophic i mean it's interesting you you say that that in nascar it's kind of the same because like in indycar i feel like we deal more with mechanical deg right like physically wearing the Mm -hmm. rubber down it's not as temperature sensitive and again you have to take care of that maybe in a slightly different way right but i feel like it still allows you to push a little more and not be penalized especially immediately the way it seems like you are with thermal deg right so what are your buddies go ahead well, I was saying with that kind of, yeah, with that kind of where, you know, you pay the, pro- what you do today or right on this lap pays the price 15 laps from now, right? As opposed to what you're saying right. with thermal dig. It is, I will make an interesting note, you know, that idea of, um, of how they, you know, won't overslip the tires, just force themselves or trained not to overslip the tires. Um, you know, I, I notice it more and chuckle about it more when it comes to reshaping the corner for an overtake. Right. So there, that's where like you add, you take what you just said and over slipping the tires and reshaping the corner there. And then also, you know, maybe they're, they're overtaking, um, that just exaggerates it. Right. So they're running each other off the track or making more, you know, using leverage against each other. Um, on top of the fact, they're not trying to overslip their tires with an overtake. So you see these dramatic reshapes of the corner, uh and obviously lap one in vegas is, is a perfect example of it where it just to, to the naked eye like it seemed like max went way beyond what he needed to do in terms of reshaping his corner 
Um, and he had his own justifications for it, but that's just all, there's all bunch of, and it, I guess it's just several interesting, uh, nuances to that for me, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of those things you can look at that turn one in Vegas thing and, you can argue that it looks like he just drove him straight off the road on purpose. <laughs> but then you could also be like, yeah, he was also trying to make sure that he didn't just add a bunch of lock in, which could just could just generate actually more understeer and make it more likely for a collision and also immediately start hurting his tires. Because, you know, like in Brazil, they're like, hey, so Max, so when did you start conserving tires? And he said the outlap, you know, wow. like you, you cannot even sacrifice right. a little bit when it's when it's that kind of situation. I'm curious about low downforce versus high downforce tracks you've been watching with this because what i noticed watching vegas when i watch these lo- like baku and monza and vegas these braking zones where the f1 car is actually wiggling around now i know their braking zone is yeah like you know what i'm talking about and it's it looks yeah, like a 100%. stock car because it's like they've gone to such low downforce braking is what they're most impressive at five and a half g's under braking it's ridiculous you look at the where they break and you think like there's no possibility of ever like a car stopping there what do you like what changes driving wise have you've noticed that when they're in the low downforce versus the high downforce is there areas where certain you have the hinches heroes which is on f1.com by the way uh it's a great report each week about who was great that maybe wasn't just the winner of the race who like is there someone that sticks out in those differences or is there there driving differences you've noticed um in that like talking about what they do well versus not well when they're high downforce versus low downforce. I think the I think the biggest thing I notice is when they're on a high downforce track, the 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 aggression that you can enter a corner with is just like it's mind blowing. Especially that kind of medium to high speed, the change of direction is outrageous. Like it it almost mm. looks like a video game, and I and I <laughs> I don't want to say and I want to be very clear about what I'm saying here. I'm saying it looks easy i'm not mm-hmm. saying it is easy but i'm saying when you've got the high downforce on there they have so much capacity right they have so much grip it is it, it looks easy and i think if you talk to the guys they're like yeah it's a lot easier than when you go to a monza and you still have to get through like the lesmos and you have to still get through ascari and and you still have to get through you know uh the final corner there that are still these medium to higher speed corners your margin for error almost goes down and so you have to be a little bit more precise. You can't just like get to a corner and go, here we go. Mm. This bucket of input mm-hmm. and like the thing's just going to stick and go. You have to be a little bit more precise. So I think it helps. Um, I think it helps, you know, put the spotlight on some drivers, but also some cars that kind of handle certain things better. And that's one thing that you just, you can never deny in in Formula One, right? Is is how much of a part the car does play and um what we've seen this year more than I think any year I've followed the sport, which has been, you know, since the mid nineties where it is so hard to determine other than Red Bull, who's going to be quick at any given track. And Mm -hmm. that has bounced around. It has changed as the, you know, the evolution race happens over the course of the season. Uh, People are bringing upgrades and developing the cars, but it still seems like there's no rhyme or read. Like, you know, we talked to Piastri after the race in Vegas. He drove a great race. Should have been in the top five. Tire strategy, safety car, whatever, kind of caught him out. Still finished in the points after starting 19th. Nowhere in qualifying. Nowhere in practice. And we're like, why was the car so much better in the race? 
<laughs> the, the amount, the amount of post race or post qualifying interviews I've watched or been a part of this year were like, Hey, so why were you so much better slash worse than previous sessions? And the answer was no way. So which when you think it's formula <laughs> one, man, they have more data yeah. and more analysis than, than anyone. And they're still like, ah, I have no idea, man. I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> so it's exactly like when we hop out of an Xfinity car with zero data and they're like, Hey, why'd you go faster at session? You're like, eh, I don't know. That just happens. Um, you are wearing plaid, by the way. And I think this is fitting yes. because a little announcement <laughs> in the last two weeks. You're going to be racing in the endurance races in IMSA for FAF Motorsports, which ran the plaid Porsche. Congratulations being back behind the wheel. Glad, very Thank glad you. to see it. It's where you belong. Not sure how you're going to mix that all in with TV and everything and working three different series. You're wild. Um, but I'm curious, like, First of all, how that came about, and two, what's the process like for you? You know, you to get back to being. We talk, Landon and I love to ask drivers, like, what's your process for preparing? How do you? What is the? What do you do to get ready for a race? What are you looking at? Those are things you've now got to jump from IndyCar, last thing you were doing full time, to doing this sports car deal in the endurance races. What's that process like? And congratulations. Yeah, I mean, it, it's first of all, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, this is something that's kind of come about after. I mean, two years of of effort, if I'm honest, there was talks back in 2022 when I first stopped IndyCar about, you know, getting involved in IMSA with FAF and uh, some things got in the way last minute. Regardless, we got there finally, um, you know, Canadian Woo! team, Canadian driver. So it's kind of a cool, kind of a cool story. And we're, we're really proud of, of being able to finally do it. The plot was a coincidence. This is just, I'm going to say Canadian driver. This is just my normal wardrobe on a Wednesday. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he's dressed up. He's going but, to yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not a team issued shirt. This is just how I. Okay, how I, walk I was making sure. I didn't um, know if that was official FAF here, and you know, or it was like Canadian no. tuxedo was the next thing. I, I don't know. No, yeah, this is the one they just like they wrap you up in when they bring you home from the hospital. You just you get every Canadian <laughs> just gets a flannel shirt on the way home. Um, and then yeah, so it's for me obviously this is this is a big it's a big transition, right? I mean, I've I've done a, a decent amount of sports car stuff, especially at Rolex. I've I've done that race six or seven times, uh, but primarily in prototypes, which obviously are much closer to uh, to the world I kind of lived in with with IndyCar. So the the process for me going into uh, going into this one is is pretty involved. You know, I, I want to get very deep into understanding how GT cars work. Um, you know, I've got two great full time teammates. Uh, Marvin and Ollie that I can really kind of lean on, especially Marvin. He's factory McLaren guy. There's arguably nobody better in a McLaren than this guy. So um, I had the chance to test a GT3 Porsche earlier this year. So I've got a little bit of a sense of kind of what the the general class feels like. But um, it's a lot of a lot of video, you know, a lot of onboards, a lot of data, sitting with the engineers, understanding you know what they're trying to achieve with certain setup changes, what the best qualifying setup compromises are for them race compromises how does the setup develop or how does a balance develop over a race traditionally for them at a given track you know night versus uh versus daytime full tanks and new tires versus old tanks or sorry uh, empty tanks and old tires um really just picking brains and 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 trying to input as much data into my brain as i can before i ever step into the car and then, you know, you get behind the wheel, get a couple laps, start trying to speak that same language as the engineers and your co-drivers. And, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to be leaning on the two full-time guys a lot. This is their car. I'm, I'm there to kind of help them win a couple important races and ultimately get points towards a championship. 
uh, it's and, and not screw anything up. That's like the number one goal <laughs> of, of the guy in my seat. Uh, but no, you know, I'm, I'm taking it very seriously and it's, it's exciting to kind of be back in, in the competition side. And as the is endurance much- driver, you, Oh, well, real quick, you get the best stints as the endurance driver. Yeah, something like it's that. The yeah. ones they just yeah. definitely want. <laughs> right, right. It's uh, hey, we need our we need our like real guys to get some sleep. So if you could go ahead and do the like one a.m. to six a.m. quintuple stint, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome <laughs> if you could just pony up for that. You don't need a bathroom break, yeah. right, for five hours. It's just like Rolex right. TV. It's the same thing. It's probably going to be like 35 degrees, maybe gently misting. You might have to drive around under caution for an hour and a half with fog, but just, it'll be fine. You're going to kill it. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. It's going to be fine. Perfect. Yeah, and love just that. try not to be a second off of our, our lead guy. Um, right. <laughs> what is there, uh, obviously, in NASCAR right now, simulation, simulator testing is huge. I mean, we've got a tremendous amount of resources in, in this sport um of using simulators what what's the simulation like at that level yeah so is there you any- know, there um there yeah there is for sure um we have uh, a line into a dil at multimatic uh up in toronto they do a, a lot of work in the sports car space and uh they've got a, a very good sim up there um but then look i mean i don't need to tell you guys there's a lot that you can learn from my racing and stuff like at yeah. home um, so in, in terms of like fundamentals and basics, that actually is really helpful for me because, you know, the, the way you get lap time out of an Indy car is very different from the way you get lap time out of a GT car. And so one of the big challenges for me is sort of unlearning a lot of things that I know, breaking some habits, some natural reactions, muscle memory things, uh, kind of yeah. beating that out of myself over the first couple of days in the car. And, and as much as I can do before that, that you can accomplish in, in the sim is huge. So uh, that that's going to be a, a pretty, pretty significant part of, of kind of how I prepare going into Daytona. Is it and more the, similar for right. you to a NASCAR to even like a next gen NASCAR? I would, yeah. I mean, I think it is. Um, I think it's probably a lot closer to that in in a lot of ways. And uh, it's funny. I mean, that's I'm I'm maybe maybe in the back of my head thinking that a little bit of GT experience might set me up for an opportunity to drive a next gen car at some point. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> Weird. 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 Huh. Huh. Call out here. James Hitchcock wants yeah. to be on. Wants yeah. to get the NASCAR next gen car. I'd like to see it. Jordan Taylor. I mean, you did set the. You would need a little more practice uh, running into people. But other than that, I think you'll be, <laughs> you know, it's definitely going to tee you up. Yeah, yeah, I'll go to my local bumper car uh, thing at the fair and uh, right. just kind of get a little experience there. It should mix the two. It'll be good. Yeah. I don't think it could ever be worse than what Jordan Taylor experienced at Coda uh, this past year. Yeah, I felt bad for him. Restarts. Yeah, that was yeah, about as bad as bad it gets. Uh, and it's since, since there's been rule changes, we now restart further back for that exact reason. So they're saving us from ourselves which is cleaned up. And I think that would be cool to see. Uh, how would you, you know, just to stick on you as a driver, how would you describe your driving style the last 10? You've done such, you have such a diverse background. You've been an IndyCar race winner. You've won the Indy 500 pole. You've done sports cars. You've done d- prototype races. You've want to do some stock car stuff. You and I have talked about that. How would you describe your driving style particularly? I mean, I think there are kind of two things that always stood out to to my style when I compared to teammates, some of whom had a similar way of achieving lap time, some of whom had a completely different way of doing it. Um, in an open wheel car, I was 
never the last of the late breakers. I would always make up my time in the last third of the break zone in that break modulation, really rolling that speed, using the downforce. Um, you know, a, a great a great teammate to contrast against for that was uh, was Ryan Hunter Ray. I mean, Ryan's got the fattest left foot I've ever seen. <laughs> and he will go into a corner, you know, 15 feet deeper than anyone else. And he'll get that initial time on, but he's got to stay on that pedal so long because he's went in so hot. Whereas I go in a bit lighter, but I can start to roll off in that last third. And really, especially in those medium and higher speed corners, you know, if it's a, if it's a hairpin, his, his technique is going to, is going to probably reap more rewards. Uh, but anything corner kind of 90 degree corner or faster, yeah, I, I can, match or beat them um and and that kind of style so for me it was it was about that kind of break modulation rolling off in the last third and kind of tied into that when you talk about guys that prefer like a, a button down rear end for rear stability on entry versus guys that really like the front sharp and pointy my whole thing was i always like the car to rotate on the brakes in a, in a very linear fashion with, this is a very hard thing to accomplish, but essentially the harder I'm on the pedal, the more front grip you've got. Right. And as you bleed off, it sits back down in the rear. So I don't mind a sharp turn in knowing that as soon as I release the pedal, a certain amount, that back's going to sit down. We're going to transfer the weight to the rear and it's going to settle where I want it when I want it to. So when I'm trying to set up a race car, that's what I'm, that's what I'm really trying to do is be able to control you know, how much rotation I'm getting based on how much brake pressure I'm carrying. So you, you tend to like, you tend to like corner entries where your braking zone has a little bit of an in, a bend to it, as opposed to like a straight on brake zone where you're spending the first couple hundred yards or a couple hundred meters or whatever in, in the brake zone straight. You like to have a little bit of a bend to your early braking zones. Not necessarily. Um, it probably suits my style a little better, but it's, it's not a mm -hmm. personal preference thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, you go into turn one at Indy GP at 200 miles an hour, whatever it is, and you just slam on the brakes in a straight line. That's fun. That's cool. But then you go to, <laughs> you know, turn 15 at Barber where it's, you know, from fifth gear down to second gear, never straight, you know, breaking for three times the distance probably that you would at Indy from, you know, uh, 50 miles an hour faster. Uh, and I'll just, it all just depends. Honestly, guys, let's be honest. We're all drivers here. As long as the car's set up, right? It, I can, it'll be fine. Yeah. Anything's fine. I, I was going to say, you can tell Landon, that's a stupid question. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> there's dumb questions here, Landon. And that was stupid. So moving on the, I want to talk about that probably suits your GT3 stuff. You're going to do. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. The GT3 category right now is wild. I mean, so many awesome. manufacturers and at the Rolex, I mean, last year, the, the competition level is ridiculous. I mean, it's 20 some odd cars that are all so close. Some of the most talented factory drivers in the world driving these things over 24 hours. And you get to the end of the race and there's like five to eight cars within a second that are all battling for the win tooth and nail. I mean, it's ridiculous. Are you, are you, like this is this is what a time to be entering into sports cars. It's crazy. Yeah. Can't wait. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I'm super excited. I mean, I, I look back to that finish that, you know, you and I were on the call for in 22 with, uh, yeah. the two Porsches, uh, man, like what a wild last couple laps that was. And, uh, and, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's at least five cars, if not eight within that sort of 
you know, one to three seconds in the dying hour. And it's just crazy to think, but to have what they did by making the GT three rules sort of like universal around the world and just allowing cars and teams to bounce from different series and different continents or whatever was just so smart. And now, you know, Mm -hmm. we're reaping the rewards of that. And and so are the fans just being able to watch that many cars, different manufacturers, you know, you're talking about 30 drivers over those sort of six, seven, eight cars, uh, all within, you know, uh, a couple seconds at the end of a 24 hour race. It's, it's just awesome. I'm, I'm super excited about it. We've got you for a couple more minutes here. I have to get to the important stuff now. How many flights did you do this year? Oh, uh, what do we hit? Wait, got I, few... I know it's over a hundred. Yeah, yeah. So I was just Rossi always makes fun of me because I keep updating people. He's like, "Yeah, we get it. You fly a lot." Um, <laughs> so I will, I will have done a hundred and twelve up to today, and wow. I still have at least probably four to go. Four or five left. So that's exactly my record in 2019 was a similar. It was up there like 115, 120. I don't know exactly, but it was up there in that level. Yeah. And that yeah, is- I'm probably not going to count next year. I, I just wanted to know, right? Because like I, I travel a lot, fine. And I knew I traveled a lot, but I really, I didn't know if it was 50 flights a year, if it was, a, I had no idea. No. So I'm like, oh, let's just keep track of this. And yeah, I'd rather I hadn't done that because it's kind of depressing when you really look at the numbers. <laughs> that is a lot of time, my man, a lot of time. And now I would have to think it's just going to go up with everything you're doing. So I uh, I wish you the best of luck in terms of that many flights and being at least being able to see your office in this home just a little bit more. Also important, yeah. my girlfriend and I have been watching a lot of rom-coms as of late. Uh, your wife, Becky, <laughs> okay. is an actress. Pretty well known yes. to be in rom-coms. We tried to watch her newest movie. wasn't out yet. So mm-hmm. When can we watch this oh. it's on our rom-com list? I thought, well, one came out, um, one called Christmas by Design came out. Uh, okay. And I think it's on, like, it's if you go on the Hallmark app, I think it's streaming on there now. Um, mm. She has another one out called Christmas in Big Sky Country. That's the one. Uh, are you noticing that's a bit of a one. theme here? Okay, that's the one you were trying yeah. to watch? Yeah. Yeah, the that Christmas rom I, I think there might be, uh, maybe I saw something about the 27th. I know it's 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 aired already, but I know it's airing again. If you if you look it up on the Hallmark app, I'm pretty sure it's got all the all the times. And let me say thank you for for searching it out. I uh, we, Yeah, we no, we, we were trying. I, I would like to make a uh, an idea here, pitch you an idea. I've got a rom-com idea. Uh-oh. So, you know, these, okay, these hey, Christmas rom-coms, they all kind of follow a theme. It's always, you know. It's formulaic go, to a degree, yes. Go back to your old town, meet the mm. flame, whatever. I've got highly successful professional race car driver, heads right. back to hometown during Christmas, yeah. finds old mm-hmm. flame, some right. sort of, you know, some sort of moment they're not together. Hijinks that ensues, that. yeah. Yeah, hijinks ensues. They end up together. Would that sound uh-huh. familiar? I've I've seen this one before, actually. Oh yeah, really? No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Very, very close. It's funny Weird. because you know, I'm so Becky, that you know, she's yeah. Well, you might be too late. I think actually, Damn. there's a there's a, one of the actors that she works with quite a bit. Um, his wife is a, is a writer. She's a script writer and she writes a bunch of stuff for Hallmark. And she asked if it was okay if she wrote a script that was kind of loosely based on our story. And uh, so it might happen one day. You never know. 
I was too late. Damn. My, damn. My whole thing is, I, I just want to pick who plays me. I just want to have some say over who gets to play the me character. <laughs> well, you, who would I you was going to say, who would it be? Well, I mean, I mean, like ideally or realistically, because like Hallmark have their pool of actors that they pull from a bunch of which I'm now friends with because they've worked yep. with Becky a bunch. But if Top we're level. talking like, like, yeah, no, no holds barred, no limits here. It's very obvious. Canadian. Married to a blonde actress. Oh, into Ryan Reynolds. Sports. Ryan Reynolds. There it is. <laughs> How did I get that? Ryan, where were you on that? You never even got it. Our own <laughs> trivia game here. Our newest trivia game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, you've been awesome to have on here. Before we let you go, though, we got to ask you our question of the day. So this is we do this all the guests. Okay. Uh, okay. And it's pretty easy. Is this the very Basically, last thing? This is it. We're done. Okay, well, quick. Okay, can I ask you a question? I want to ask you a question. No. And if that's the last thing, I want to ask you guys a question My show. before. My show. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> first of all, I want to I want to commend you for what you're doing because thank you. There is there is it's not e I know what you're doing is not easy. I have had conversations with people about doing something similar. You can tell by the lack of it ever happening that we did not have the gumption to get it done. And there's a need for something like this the and idiocracy. doing it live is ballsy as hell. And I love it. So I just, so, so, so I, that was just my statement. Yep. My question is, this is what the second or third one that you've done live. Second. This is second You're live number one. two. Second. Yep. Okay. Second one in any major fires that you've had to put out and like, has the, has it been a successful experiment thus far? I know you're going into like the 13th of December or whatever, but like so yep. far, are you thinking like we're going to be looking at the schedule for 2024 because this is going OK? It's so we have an awesome team, real small team that have done an amazing job. Our, our director, Zach, producer, Josh, everyone's done an amazing job. We have done some of these big live events with the sim racing stuff, which helped in terms right. of fires. I expected the first one to just literally not even get on the Internet. And it was perfect. <laughs> so I, I would say that part has shocked us all. This second one, we've I feel like it's been smooth so far. You all you've guessed have not even had an issue. We had some audio issues the first one. That went away. Uh, as the complexity rises here, I know there will be those times. But I think that's all part of the fun and flair. So we we do appreciate the the uh, the kind words. I think this is something yeah. you put it. We've all wanted. We want it in the motorsports world. This is why we're mm -hmm. doing it. And the off season was perfect because everyone else shuts down. So to us, it was like, right. well, then let's turn up. Let's just do something no one else Love is that. willing to do. And I do appreciate you coming on here because it's the guests that have made this really, you know, make it more than just Landon and I talking to each other for three hours. So that's <laughs> as much motorsport stuff as there are out there. People can only listen to us two for so long before it becomes monotonous. <laughs> right. I can listen uh, to you guys forever. <laughs> Yeah, who who was the genius to, to come up with a three hour live show after the race season ended? <laughs> that we are insane. That part <laughs> that was like someone had said that to me. They're like, well, wait, isn't the season done? What were you talking about? I was like, well, there's a little bit of racing going on. Don't worry. And yeah. I was like, everyone's bored. Yeah. What you do find is a lot of drivers are on vacation right now as well. The NASCAR Cup Great series point. guys, you know, they're they're, they they're proving to be a little bit. We've got one coming on next week unless Lewis Hamilton takes his spot. So, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I heard that part. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny because Rossi and I, we have our podcast, which is weekly, and uh, it's only 45 minutes. And we're like, we are dreading 
the week after next when Abu Dhabi's done and there's like literally no racing left. We're like, literally oh man, top. like we we can fill in the odd off week, you know, during the season because we can preview what's coming up or something. But like, we have nothing to talk about for like six <laughs> weeks over December until Roar, until Roar starts, basically. We're kind of hosed. So I feel your pain, guys. Well, anytime you. you want to come on here, you are welcome over the next couple of weeks. If you need to kill some time, if you're like, man, I need to talk about racing right now. And I need to talk about <laughs> driving and bring on some, you want to bring on data. This is your place. So by all means, we'll be here every Wednesday, 12 to 3. Uh, Our question question of the day day is, these two events are happening in Vegas, the one you were just at, the Las Vegas GP and the Super Bowl this year. If you had the choice, Mm -hmm. which one are you going to? This is kind of loaded in your case, but anyway, which one? The big game or the big Las Vegas GP? Okay, so there are, okay, so there's two things to consider here. Vegas GP, okay? Here's what's working mm-hmm. against the Vegas GP. The schedule was the worst for any motorsports event that has ever happened on Earth. <laughs> and and there are 24-hour races that happen, okay? Amen. Like literally 20. That is, that is better than what we had to do there. And I feel for every mechanic and a driver and official and engineer and, and commercial person and PR person, Everybody that had to work that event, every security guard, every ticket collector, the hours were so bad. And like you didn't have enough time to kind of transition yourself into some weird, you know, Dracula-esque schedule to like make it feel normal. And it was just the worst. So that's a big black eye for like answering this question. That said, at as as cool as it would be to an attend to attend a Super Bowl, I acknowledge that there are eight thousand eight hundred and sixty seven thousand two hundred and twenty nine people that are like would appreciate it so much more than I would. I would rather give my ticket to somebody that would be like like would literally like that's their number one Christmas wish list for life bucket list thing. And I will go to the GP with the terrible hours and wow, look at celebrities from afar. What a good Samaritan. You know, you are not yeah, he's so Canadian sometimes it's frustrating. I was gonna say we we fonted you, uh, I don't think you saw this as Canadian race car driver. Yeah. And you Canada. wearing <laughs> plaid came on <laughs> yeah. here. No kidding, guy. <laughs> and then just had the nicest comment. To this question ever where it was just it was selflessness basically was the root of it all to say i won't take a spot this is i mean groundbreaking stuff now you know you you're gonna have to really become meaner if you want to come do a cup race by the way we're gonna we have to all find right. that inner yeah mean, good point meaner mean hinchcliffe so i'm gonna need ben, you to just like like give me a like a gut punch right before i get in the car <laughs> just i'm just knocking in the face real quick I'm I'm like, i hate this yeah, guy. Yeah. you're in you're ready <laughs> bam there you go liven you up Anyway, awesome. Well, man, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on. Enjoy your time at home. And anytime you want to come back, you're well, you're welcome. Much appreciated. I will take you up on that. I will bring data. Keep up the great work and happy Thanksgiving, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. See you, buddy. 
Hey, Parker Kligerman here. I haven't won every race I've competed in. I know it's a shocker, but one thing I'm hoping to do, get you to subscribe, like, and hit the bell icon below because that helps us make this awesome Money Lap content. Also, join us for the live show, Wednesdays, 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, where we dive into all motorsports live here on the Money Lap YouTube channel. Please join us. We need more than just our moms watching.